Franchise Life podcast, where we show you that women are capable of absolutely incredible things with the right tools, strategies, and mindset in place. I'm your host, Victoria Smith, and today on the podcast, I'm really excited to be joined by Jessica Hagen. Now, you might know Jess a little bit better uh, from her blog and her Instagram, Milk Stains and Meltdowns is what it was formerly called, and now you can find Jess on Instagram at Spilled Milk, M-Y-L-K. Now, I first, I think I discovered Jess through a friend saying, hey, you should check out this account on Instagram, as with many things and many previous guests. And what I absolutely love about Jessica is her just raw honesty and vulnerability about what she's going through. She is a huge mental health advocate. She talks about her challenges with OCD and anxiety. Uh, and we have a really fruitful conversation about this actually during the podcast and what it what it is actually like to live with OCD, what people's misconceptions are about it versus what it actually looks like. Jess also talks openly about going through marriage counseling and the impact that that has had for both her and Jordan. And ultimately, we also talk about the podcast itself, Spilled Milk. So Milk Stains and Meltdowns originally was a vessel to rationalize the irrational, offering tools for navigating the ups and downs of meltdowns in life. The podcast Spilled Milk that she's just recently launched, which is fantastic, is an extension of the blog that was created to help others feel less alone in the meltdowns, laugh through the imperfections, and be accepted for crying over spilled milk. I absolutely adored this conversation with Jessica, and I think you will as well. So without further ado, let's head into the interview. Well, thank you so much, Jessica, for joining me on the podcast. It's such a pleasure to have you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So as we record this, it is Monday, which means yes. Spill the Milk Monday or Meltdown Monday. Yes. There's a meltdown currently. Yes, there's a meltdown going on, totally. I'm so curious, what is your spilled milk for today or your meltdown? Oh, wow. Um... Oh, that's really putting me on the spot. This week, I'm actually doing all right. But for right now, I think it's honestly like financial. Like my meltdown is a little bit like, okay, where is like, is this gonna, is this COVID-19 gonna affect next year's like influencing as well? Because I was really doing well, like last year. And that was like a point income that like my family depended on. And now it's like, it's kind of dwindling. And I'm like, where, when is it gonna come back up? And is it going to? And so now that like COVID is taking over again, I'm starting to freak out a bit. And I'm also starting to freak out about COVID. Like, it's just, it's, it's starting to scare me again. And I was doing pretty well with like not being afraid and, you know, like being safe, but not being afraid. And now I feel like I'm, I'm stressing out a lot about it. And it's hard, right? Like, cause it's COVID is so unpredictable. And I think we hate that discomfort. We hate that change. We hate that not knowing. Yeah. And the financial struggle is real, man. Like, yeah, I feel like. I feel like not a lot of people are talking about it because, I mean, that's something that people are so embarrassed about. But, like, if we all just kind of just admit that, you know, it's not – we're not all just rolling in dough. Like, the the economy, like, can – it can't. It can't survive if we were all rolling in dough anyway. Yeah, (laughs) So, you know, so I think it's just, like, important. I opened up about it last week and just about how, you know, I've – 
I've changed my idea of success and now it's about being happy, like innately happy in my heart. It's not about like what's in my bank account because people don't see that. No one's going to see what's in my bank account anyway. And they're going to see if I'm actually happy. And to me, that's successful. And on the money thing, like I also feel I had this conversation with someone recently about how like how what feels like a lot of money to you or what feels like big to you right now in like 10 to 15 years, will it be as big a deal? And I was like, well, it's easy to say that now, but yeah, <laughs> 15 years, it might feel different, but yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think it's just so important to realize that like, not your whole life is happening right now. Like it goes in waves, like just like money, like it comes and goes. And so, and really right now, it's not like we can travel anywhere anyway. <laughs> So I'm not really saving towards anything. <laughs> but we're very lucky we live in one of the most beautiful places. I am a new transplant, but I'm very much enjoying yes. it. Yes. And I'm yeah. new too, essentially. Yeah. I, start, I moved here in March and I just, I'm so grateful that I live somewhere so beautiful. Yeah. It's changed my whole outlook, really. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, I, I want to wind back. So I first um, came to your account when it was called Milk Stains and Meltdowns. Very, very much about, you know, the mental health struggles and, and the challenges we have in motherhood anyways. But I'm curious, pre-motherhood, Yes. how would you have described your relationship with your mental health? Good, bad, indifferent? It was undiagnosed. So that's how I would describe it. It was, it was still very prevalent, like very much a big part of my life was having mental illness, but we didn't know that that's what it was. Everyone kind of thought that I was just dramatic, that I was just a little bit crazy. I don't know. Like it's so, it's so like cliche. It's so not, not appropriate to say now, but like, yeah, like I was a bit crazy and we never really knew why. And like, there were certain things that happened in my life that would like obviously make me spiral, but it would induce like all of these fears. Like I've had OCD since now looking back, knowing that I have OCD, I've had OCD since I was three years old. And, and it was like, when I got diagnosed after motherhood, it was like, all of a sudden everything was kind of clear. And it was like, okay, like I wasn't just crazy. I wasn't just off. Like I wasn't just weird or like had attachment issues. Like I legitimately had like something wrong and they just didn't know. So, so yeah, like in, in university, it kind of went away in my teens for a little while. Like I was like carefree and fun and like all of those things. But in my childhood, it was really bad. I was always so attached to my mom. Like I would think that she would leave the house and it was the last time I would see her and it would make me like physically ill. Like I would vomit as if I lost my mom and like, she was just gone to the store. And like, people would be like, just like calm down. And I couldn't calm down. So it's always been a part of my life. It just wasn't diagnosed. Well, and OCD seems to be one of those things, you know, you'll hear so many people say, oh, I'm a little bit OCD. Yeah. That must drive you. It drives me nuts. It really does. And like, it's funny because until I was diagnosed, that was something that like my family often said about like my dad, he's a bit OCD. Like he likes things a certain way. And then when I got diagnosed, they kind of still used it. And then they were like, wait a sec, that's not right. Like we know what OCD is. We know that it's not just, he has to have like his jacket on the certain hang. Like he doesn't think the world is going to end if his jacket isn't on that hanger, you know? So like, that's the difference with OCD. And I see it a lot on Instagram and it, and I'm not a troll. So I'm not going to yeah. be like, do you though? Do you have OCD? But like, yeah. 
you don't, you just are perfectionist and that's fine too. Yeah. Cause I remember I've had a guest on my podcast before who talked about OCD and she was saying it was very much this, you know, feeling like people were going to die, feeling like this, you know, um, the end of the world, like catastrophe thinking essentially. And I, then I remember seeing one of your Instagram stories where you were talking about this mug of your husband Jordan's when he was going and working away and how you just couldn't move it and couldn't, couldn't leave it. And like that, what is that like in the moment of like, you logically know you're like, if I put this cup in the sink, it will be fine, but you just can't like, what is that like? It is, it is so frustrating. And I think that's the one thing about OCD. And that's what I tell everyone is like, I know that this isn't going to happen, but I can't help it. Like, I, I know he's like, I mean, we could all just die, but like, I know, like, you know, for the most part, he's not just going to die if I move. And if I move the cup, like it's fine, but I, I can't, like, I literally stared at like this beer can that he left in the shower for, he left for 24 days for work. And I have OCD. Like my house is like clean and like everything has a place and everything. And I could not move that beer can. Because I was like, if he, if he doesn't come home, then I don't have anything left of him, which is like, I have so many other things left of him. But to me, that was like his last moment of being alive in my house. And like, that is such a really, it's such a hard thing to live with. Like every time someone leaves, you are essentially mourning them. Like I lit and it's exhausting. And so you talked, I don't want to like steal the thunder of your recent episode. So I'm going to direct people to listen to it, but how are you currently managing your OCD and your mental health in, in general? So I, this is like a little bit of a secret that I haven't told anyone yet because I told everyone I was going to go back on medication and I still haven't started it. And I think just knowing that it's there if I need to start it is kind of a comfort. Um, but I, I talk a lot. I talk a lot more. I say what's like, I vocalize my fears because a lot of the things that like OCD has is that it's telling you that if you say these out loud, then they're for sure going to happen. So like when Jax was a baby, I would like live in my own head and be so distraught that I thought like that she was going to die but I could never get that out because I thought like, well, if I say it, then it's going to happen. So now I've started really acknowledging that that's one of those thoughts and I just need to get them out. And like, no matter how crazy or how like, sometimes like you don't even think that like movies could think these things, like as much as I have to, I just have to get it out. And it, and it, it, it makes it so like, and then I kind of like look around and I'm like, okay, so the world hasn't fallen apart around me and we're okay. Um, so that's kind of how I'm dealing with it is really talking about it. It's funny. Cause that name it to tame it philosophy and sort of in, that's in, a good one. Psychology. Well, it's, it's like, we talk about it in coaching and psychology all the time about how you have to name something to be able to tame it. But I never really thought of that in terms of how it would affect OCD, but you're right. Like if you, if you can, 
prove it and if you can give evidence to yourself like that the world you know the sky is not falling yeah, how yeah. I'm essentially that. chicken little <laughs> but, but we all do it right like I had to write my own list today I had my mother of a meltdown today of just like so much ch- everything in my life is changing different right now and just yeah had to write down the list of like I'm angry at this I'm frustrated at this I'm mad at that and, good for like, you and just doing that I was like okay it's not all just it's like, not all and it's not yeah exactly and like once you get it yeah. out you're just like oh okay <laughs> like you're like okay well I can handle this but yeah yeah totally so not not only are you like processing your own stuff that you're going through but like you ask people on a weekly basis like <laughs> what meltdowns are you going through what's like the spilled milk and stuff like that and I would imagine in your whether they share it in that yeah. little box or it goes to your DMs or whatnot, you're seeing a lot of people's hard stuff that they're going through. I right do, now. yeah. What what are what are the sort of what what surprises you about what we're what you're following or going through? It surprises me how many people. Oh, and I'm gonna get emotional um, because I love them. We cry on this yeah podcast. because I do. I love my followers. Like to me, like I've built a community and like they have seen me at times that like I didn't even think that I could show my husband you know and I've like cried to these random people on the other side of the phone and like they'll reach out to me and be like no one believes me or like no one you know or like they don't get it they don't they don't think I'm sick or they don't think that they don't think it's an excuse and it's it's not an excuse like I never use mental health as like an excuse but some days it is like some some days I really am having an oh and I'll tell my family now like it's an OCD day. You actually don't even want to be around me today because like, it's just not a good day. Like I'm not myself. I don't feel like myself. Like today I'm going to have to sit this one out, you know? And a lot of those, a lot of the people that message me don't have that opportunity. Like they don't have that support. And that is surprising to me because I've, it's also surprising because like, I've been so supported this entire time and my entire life. Like everyone has always kind of tried to find answers for why I am the way that I am and so I've never felt like afraid of telling them these things but yet my brain was telling me not to tell them because then they're not going to love me they're not going to so I can just imagine if I didn't have that support group like what would be going on and how much harder it would be that makes me so sad that people don't have that support but also heartened that they have these online communities like yours to to share that with Thanks. Yeah. It's heavy sometimes. <laughs> I, I can imagine yeah. for sure. Yeah. It helps me though, not to feel alone as well. So it's kind yeah. of like give and take, but yeah, sometimes I'm like, Ooh, I am not, I am not like, I'm not a professional. I don't know. Like you don't want to say the wrong thing, but I think just, just listening yeah. is what's important. Okay, I want to take a very quick pause from the episode to tell you a little bit about Stress Less in 90 Days. So 2020 has been a dumpster fire, right? It's been a challenge for so many of us. But January 1st isn't going to change all that much, right? 2021 isn't magically going to be less stressful unless you show up at the table with different tools, strategies, and mindset shifts to actually work on managing your stress. And that's what Stress Less in 90 Days is all about. So on January 1st, our next cohort of group coaching for Stress Less in 90 Days is going to be launching. And this is really for women who are sick and tired of being stressed. 
right? You've tried all the Band-Aid solutions, you've tried the bath bombs, you've tried the, uh, the massages, and that doesn't quite do the trick for long-term stress management. It's for women who are ready to do the work. You are ready to show up and make a real difference to have lasting stress reduction. And it's for women who are also ready to start enjoying their daily lives a little bit more. And yeah, that's possible even during a global pandemic. It is a 12-week program where we guide you step-by-step through the foundational skills to manage your stress. These are, we're not going to overwhelm you in the process of stressing less. That would be counterintuitive to what we believe in, but we're going to give you the stepping stones to get there along with the support that group coaching provides. It's absolutely an incredible program. I have adored running it and our clients get the results. So I could tell you that it actually works, but I'd actually rather read a couple testimonials from our former clients. Jen from Calgary said, stress less in 90 days was a wonderful gift I gave myself and I would 100% recommend the 12-week program to anyone who is not quite satisfied with how they're managing their current stress levels. Sarah from BC said, the stress less in 90 days program gave me the tools to work on reducing my stress without being stressful. And Wendy from Calgary said, I feel better equipped to deal with my life because of this course's tools and its journal reflections, which ultimately have encouraged me to treat myself better. These are the kind of results that our clients get. If you want to be part of the next cohort of Stressless in 90 Days, you can go to stresslessin90days.ca. That's stresslessin90days.ca. I hope to see you there. This cohort of women is going to be absolute fire and there's only 20 spots available. You'll find FAQs on the program at stresslessin90days.ca. And if you have any questions, you can just send me a message on Instagram at stresslessladies. Okay, without further ado, let's head back to the interview. I think what's so great about what you do is you normalize so many things, um, including (laughs) marriage counseling, right? You guys are a young good-looking couple, cute kid, (laughs) cute home, all the things, right? Like, so from the outside looking in, I think it would be easy for a lot of people to think they find. They don't need no marriage counseling. They're totally, what guys decide to, to go to start doing that? So Jordan and I are both very passionate people. (laughs) And I mean, as wonderful as that is sometimes when it comes to arguments, it's not wonderful. Like, (laughs) At it gets all. fiery quickly. It gets really fiery really quickly. And like, we just didn't know how to have like an adult conversation. Like we have all of the fun. We can have so much fun. We can like, we, we don't really need help in the, like in the dating aspect, like in the keeping it cute and flirty and stuff. Cause like, we've got that down, but we can't talk to each other. Like if it's something serious, like we need like my mom to stand there and be like, Jess, that was mean. Or like, Jess, no, you're getting off track. Or like, (laughs) and like my, my mom or my sister would like literally mediate some of our like heavier conversations. So we were like, okay, (laughs) maybe we should like pay a professional to help us and give us like the right tools. And so that's kind of where we started. And when we started going to marriage counseling. So what's the best tool you've learned for like how to fight right or whatever it is? Um, there's, there's a listener and a talker. And even though you want to interrupt and you want to talk, like, you're like, no, no, that's not, that's not even how it is. Or I didn't do that. Or you just have to listen to everything that they have to say. 
and then it's going to be your turn. But also stop using things like always, never, like these things, because even though like, you know, it's not never, or like, you know, the other person immediately gets defensive of like, but I did it this time. Or I, you know, I did that this time. And like, it's like, so they're finding like the one time that they did it. And it's like, okay, but you're not focusing on the bigger picture. So use things like, I feel like when you do this, you don't respect me or something like that. Um, That's yeah. I like the not using always and never because yeah, it does. It feels like, well, you know what I mean. Yeah. But like, really it's, it's, it's a, a, like you get a, I don't know. I get really defensive and like, I yell when I talk. So like, as soon as we're fighting, it's like full out screaming. Like I'm just like screaming. And so, and Jordan doesn't, doesn't do well with screaming. So that was one of our things too, was like, I mean, no one really does, but like my family is just really loud and we just come from a really loud, like we just always do. Whereas Jordan is pretty like quiet. And if he yells, then I know like, oh shit. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So it was just more of learning how to talk to each other. That's awesome. Tell me about the marriage journal because I saw, I mean, Jordan doesn't work away anymore, but you, so do you still use the marriage journal then? Um, so we, we are definitely, it's so funny cause it's actually harder to do it when he's home. Yeah. Um, but we are now making it a point. Like it's back on the counter. It's in our faces every single day. Like it has to be because if not, then it's super easy to just forget and just not do it. And what are you writing in it? Because I think so, a yeah. lot of people were like, what is this magical thing? Yeah. What's so, it- and it, and it's so funny because to us, like it just kind of came to us really quick, like kind of super, I don't even know, like, I don't think our marriage counselor told us to do this, but it was one thing. So we kind of reached an impasse where like both of us were just kind of like, so not that we were like done, but like, so what are we doing? Like, what, like, what is it that we love the most about the other person? Cause like, sometimes you just kind of forget that. And with him working away, it was kind of just like when he was home, we, we were parents. And when he was away, we were just like co-parents and when he like, you know, so it was hard. And so we were like, well, I asked him, I'm like, what do you, like, what are you grateful for about me? And he was like, well, you're a great mom. And I was like, okay, but I need more than that. Like as a, as a wife, like, what am I to you? Like, do I make you laugh? Do I do the, like, I need to feel special. And so we started writing one thing three times a week that we're grateful for about the other person that isn't to do with parenting or like something simple, you know, that you can say like, you're a great mom. Like it has to be something like little that you love about that person. And now that he's home, it's like, it's little things that we didn't have before. Like, I love that, you know, today he thought about me and he, he heard that I, I I wanted slippers and on his way home from work, he bought me a pair of slippers. And it was just like super sweet. I said that sometime last week. And, you know, and so like, there's just little things like that. When he was away, it was like, yeah, I don't know. It's really, really cool though, to look back. And then if you're having like a bad day or if you're having a fight or you're just not like connecting to look at each other's journal and be like, Oh, he loves that about me. Or like, you know, or I love that about him. Like I need, you know, little refreshers that like, there are certain things that I love about him that I don't think about on a daily basis. And you're right. Like we do get into those like kids, man, like in hard times in your life. Right. Like, so it can be so easy to just like coexist. Exactly. And forget sort of 
you know, beyond, you know, sexual attraction and all that, like what you love about them. What makes them special? Like what makes them the one, you know? And it's like, I'm totally like a believer in soulmates and stuff, but like, it doesn't mean that, you know, it's always magic. And, and so I think that for me, it's really important to feel that special and yeah. And it kind of goes to like gratitude practices, right? Like they say, when you are telling your brain what you want to experience, like, I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for that, that your brain will look for evidence that uh, of more of those things. Cool. So by by writing down, like, I am grateful for this, or I love this about this person. It like trains your brain to look for more things that you love and appreciate. Yeah. I think that's really, yeah, that's awesome. And it does it it, like, and you can tell that we haven't really been doing it. Like we just, we're just starting it again because I'm feeling kind of like, uh, uh, like this is what we used to use as examples, but now like when we were in it, I could come up with so many examples of why I love him. (laughs) Would you describe Jordan as like neurotypical? Um, what, what would that mean? Like he doesn't have mental health issues. Yeah. Like, would you say you struggle more than him with that or? Uh, so this is something that we kind of keep on the DL, but I, it's okay. No, it's okay. He's, he's kind of an, he's opening up. So it's okay. Okay. Um, Jordan actually does also have mental health issues that, um, and so he has anxiety for sure and depressive episodes. Um, so we do have, we, I wouldn't describe him as neurotypical. And I kind of, I think that that's probably why we work so well too, though, I'm very open and honest about it. He kind of like tends to shy away a little bit, but he gets it. He so, does. So I'm so curious then, because I, I think people struggle in both ways, right? When both partners have mental health issues or when one is more sort of neurotypical and one, uh, and one struggles, how do you balance then if you're both going through something at the same time? Has that ever happened? Um, yeah, it does. It's kind of it's kind of crazy though. It's kind of like motherhood where you just kind of do it like without even realizing until you're out of it. And then you're like, Oh wow, we really like powered through there or like, you know, so I think that it does, it ebbs and flows. And honestly, I feel like we're really good at realizing when the other person needs the, the other person to be stronger. Like, so we just kind of, and if we're both going through it, then we just kind of tell each other like, Hey, today's just like a, it's not a good day. Like it has nothing to do with you, but like, I just am not doing well. And so it's just easy to just like shut it down like that. And it has nothing to do with you. It's like, we always have to say, because I'm always like, is it me? Like, are you leaving me? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I call those my dark days and I just have to clarify. I'm on kind of like the other side of things where I would, I would say my husband's more quote unquote normal, whatever normal is. Yeah. And, and so then it's the kind of like feeling guilty when you have the bad days. Cause you're like, Oh, I feel like this other person just always has to like pick me up kind of thing. Totally. And, and so, I, do, yeah. I outwardly struggle way more than him. So I do feel that like, okay, he needs to pick me up a lot. Um, there have been certain things that we will talk on my, on my podcast for Jordan that like have kind of you know, kind of equaled out the playing field. So <laughs> yeah. it's, it's always interesting, I think, in relationships, how you manage that and then how you manage that and raise kids at the same time. Right. Cause I yeah. think you said on a recent episode, like the, the feeling of like not wanting to cry in front of your daughter and stuff like that. And I a hundred percent cried in front of my kids today. And stuff like oh yeah. That. And it's that, it's that, you know, in some ways, 
crying in front of them is a great thing because then they get to know that you recover, right? Yes. Like they, as long as they see the sort of journey of that, but on the other side, you're just like, Oh, well, am I always crying or at least? Yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And there was a time, like there was a time last year where it was really dark for me. It was like when I was changing meds and I was just getting diagnosed with OCD and everything. And I was crying a lot then. And Jax will sometimes be like, remember mommy when you used to cry a lot? And it like, oh, it guts me. But then she feels comfortable saying that to me. So like, obviously she's like, she's okay with it and she's accepted it. And she also feels comfortable saying that to me now when I'm obviously not crying as much, you know? So she's just like, remember that time? And like, look at you now kind of thing. She's a cheerleader. She is. She is. Amazing. So tell us about the podcast. What brought you to starting sort of changing uh, it to spilled, changing the brand to spilled milk and and starting the podcast? Yeah. So that kind of happened. um, I was kind of tired in a way of being identified with meltdowns. Like I feel like I am more than my mental health um, or my mental illness, to be honest. Like I feel like it's part of me and it is like, so much part of me. Like I live with it every single day, but I'm also really funny. And like, I just really compliment myself, but like I do, I pride myself on the fact that I'm really funny, like with my friends and stuff. And like in real life, I don't cry even half as like I do, but it's not on my Instagram. It, it seemed like I lived a lot in those meltdowns. Whereas like, because it only shows like two, three minutes of your day. But if that's all I showed that day, then to them, it kind of looks like that's where I lived. And I was like, I didn't want people to think that I live in those moments. Like I have those moments and I grow out of them. And so I kind of just wanted to also make it not only about my meltdowns and help other people feel less alone in their meltdowns that, you know, might not even be relatable to me. Like I have, you know, I have a lot of, of gay friends. I have a lot of single friends. I have a lot of people that have their own meltdowns that aren't mine. And so I wanted to open up my space for that. I wanted to be more inclusive than just something that someone can relate to me. And I, I'm so excited to hear more and more <laughs> about it. I'm, I'm curious, what do you feel like is your, as you're sort of readjusting everything or starting new adventures and, you know, COVID has obviously changed a lot of our yeah. plans. Like, what, what do you feel your purpose is? What do you want that dream career to be? Um, that's a really good question. Um, I do feel like I was put here to normalize real, like to normalize like the imperfect moments and not be like ashamed of them, like to own them. And I, I really would love to be a public speaker and like speak to a crowd of women and just help them feel like happy in their decisions, whether like, cause I really, truly don't believe in regretting things. Like I have things that I've done and I'm, I might not be proud of them or I've lived in moments far longer than I should have, but ultimately they brought me to where I am today. And, and I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm proud of who I am today. And like, yeah, along the way, it wasn't like, it wasn't a great path for some of it, but I am here and I'm raising a, like an amazing little human and I'm happy with my life. So I just want other people to like take ownership and be happy with who they are. I'm excited to see your TED Talk one day. I have no <laughs> doubts it will happen. Thank you. 
So we're going to move into the final five questions that I ask all my guests. Um, okay. I'm just super conscious that I asked you a ton about mental health and it's, and that's um, okay. It's and you're it. more than, the, and you're more than meltdowns. Um, but very conscious. I asked you a lot of this. <laughs> no, but that is who I am. I am a mental health advocate and I am yeah. totally happy with that. I just thought that I could just like bring a little bit of humor too to my page that isn't oh. just always depressing. We share a love of reality TV. Slightly different reality TV. I'm more in the like below deck is just this. I have to get into it. I've heard it is amazing. You will, if you get into it, the beauty you have, hey, you, don't you? Yes, I do. Of course oh, yeah. I do. <laughs> I feel like I'm like, please sponsor me. Hey, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you will have below deck the Caribbean. You will have below deck med and you will have below deck sailing yacht. So you will have like combined at least like 12 seasons that you can binge. Perfect. So, so if I do happen to come down with COVID, if I'm terrified of it, at least I have like two weeks of binge-worthy TV. <laughs> Listen, I have not had COVID and I have no excuse for watching however much that was. I love it. Last, like six months. Like, Good since, for you. Actually, it's since COVID started that I discovered it. Yeah. Good. I love it. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> so on that note, what are some of the things whether professional, personal, TV, whatever, that get you like fired up in a good way? Um, well, obviously reality TV. Like yeah. I just, I could literally, like, I love it. I used, when I was a kid, I used to actually think that there, like, I kind of, I'm just, I'm not going to like take ownership of it, but I feel like I created reality TV. I used <laughs> to think that there was like cameras in my house and I would like talk to the cameras and be like this morning for breakfast, I'm having this. And like, no one cares. Like no one. No one was watching, but, um, so reality TV, um, other things that got me like really hyped up. I, um, I, I, like my best friend, Cam, like we, we are just, I just love being in his presence. He also has OCD, which we're going to talk about. And so like we get each other on this different level, but I don't know, like what kind of things get you hyped up? Like what, what can I run with here? Oh, I, so I, I actually do love public speaking. It's something I do for my currently side job that will be my full-time job again one day. Yes, um, it will. I love it. Like I love talking to people about stress management and resilience and it, yeah. It yeah. Me. And I mean, public speaking, all of those things, like I live for it. I love like, also, I didn't realize like how many concerts I've been to in my life, but like, yeah. I love concerts. I love music and I love living in that same energy as everyone sharing that common interest, that one artist, and you're all just like having the best time. I love concerts. So I've really missed concerts this year. Yeah, it will be back. And I think we will all appreciate it so much more, right? Yeah, I know. Hopefully sooner than later. Yes. Um, I'm not sure if you're a reader, but what's one of the more inspiring sort of like books or it, or if not a book a podcast or something that you've loved of late yeah well I love Dax Shepard's podcast yeah. um I just he's he he keeps it real and he's like funny and he's easy to listen to his voice is really nice so yeah. I like that one um I'm reading this book well I read it it's like a 70 pages it's a really small book and it's called where is my effing unicorn yeah and it's it, <laughs> and it's really good it's like it's out there for you too like it's not like someone just had you know no one else out there just has like this magic button that like they created something that you can't like you can essentially be who you want to be and like it's out there you just got to go for it yeah. and so like that's a book that I've really taken oh, a liking to I will have to pick that up yeah 
what's one of the best like life lessons you've learned or advice that you've been given? Hmm. That's a good one. Um, cause I, <laughs> if you ask my parents, I literally take zero advice from anyone. <laughs> like, I will talk to you until you're blue in the face of telling me the right thing to do. And I will literally go in the opposite direction and do the other thing that I shouldn't have done. Um, so my dad used to get so frustrated with me. Um, but I, I feel like, I feel like one of the ones that really sticks out to me is just, Hmm. There's a couple, but this one is like, is good. Like what others think of you is none of your business. Mm -hmm. And so like, just kind of just continue to be you and like the people that you you're going to attract are the people that you want there anyway. Like the people that don't like you or don't, then just like, let them go. You, or, you know, I read it the other day and it was like, not everyone is going to like you. You don't even like everyone. So it's like, duh like that makes sense yeah and it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with that person I just might not like click with them and that's okay too and I feel like that's really hard for me to wrap my head around because being on Instagram I want everyone to love me yeah and I completely (laughs) realized I blanked on the question I was going to ask you about um oh living so much of your life I mean your job is on social media right like that is your you know your income. How do you manage, um, I think a lot of the mental health challenges that can come with being on Instagram, right? Like yes. for anyone and everyone, right? We compare ourselves to what we're seeing all the time. You know, we're looking at those numbers, even though I thought they were supposed to hide the numbers, but I still see all the numbers. Right. There. I still see the numbers too. Right? And I'm like, um, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I do too you know, I shared a picture this week and suddenly I have like 20 less people in a very short space. I'm like, what happened? Like, I know. so how do you do it? Like day in, day out? I don't do it well. Okay. <laughs> um, if, like my whole family has had to like essentially have an intervention with me that like I needed to let Instagram go. Like there has been times where my family was like, this is not good for you. You need to walk away. And I haven't walked away, but I've realized that like, I need to stop letting it get to my heart and soul. Like it gets to me so much. And there are things that we can't control. Like you, if you've seen the social dilemma, which I mean, I knew all of these things before because I study this app. Like, I mean, it's my day job. So I do, I study it. Um, so I knew these things, but like, you can't help, but wonder like why your stuff isn't getting seen and other people who are doing like no offense, but way less relevant or like important things. And like their house is just like, everything is just perfect about their life. And they're just like getting all of these high views and everything. And I'm like, man, like, that's not really even substance. Like there's no substance there. And I feel like I put so much work into it. So yeah, it is, it's, it's hard. Yeah. So how, like, I think it's, how do I deal with it? Yeah. Like, how do you not let it get to your heart and soul? (laughs) Like, Uh, What's your trigger for like this needs to be put down right now when I start feeling like my heart racing and I start obsessing over like I I know when I like I'll go back through like a bunch of of my posts and like look at the numbers and then look at the most recent post and go back and go back I'm like okay no gotta walk away like nothing I'm doing in this moment is going to change any of that yeah so it's not healthy so I walk away from it and I just like put it down um I've had to just tell myself like yeah like 
there is nothing you can do in this moment. So stressing about it is not going to help and you need to walk away. And I'll just like put my phone down. I'll put it in the kitchen and I'll go sit on the couch. Like even just like walking away for like five minutes helps me get out of that like recurring loop of like people don't like you. (laughs) Has it been a bit better since you've sort of moved to the new place that you're at? Cause it just seems so rustic and more, like you were saying more simple living and stuff, which I think. Yeah, it has been. Yeah. It has been a little bit easier. I'm not really like concerned with like having to keep up and doing all of these things and like, yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Okay. Um, what are your sort of go-to strategies for handling stress? Talks like, it sounds like you talk it out a lot. Is there anything you you do to help de-stress, unwind, all that kind of stuff? So I, I try to stay on top of doing yoga, but I mean, I could go months without doing it and then I do it every single day. Um, so I don't have like a full on routine yet, but I'm working on it. I do know what helps me. I know I've started um, meditation, like to fall asleep yeah. because for me, I could just be on my phone all night yeah. like, constantly. And so like, I just, instead I turn on a meditation on my phone, I put it beside my pillow and I just like go to sleep. So that's really been helpful. Cause I've actually been getting like restful sleeps. Yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. And the final question, Jessica, is what does it mean to you to live your best life? My very Oprah question. I love it. So to me, to live your very best life, does, I don't have to be there yet, right? Because I don't think I'm there yet. <laughs> but okay. it's, it's literally just like doing everything for yourself, like being so true to you that like you're not questioning anything. You're not, you're not questioning whether someone else, whether it's going to matter to someone else, but like, you're not hurting anyone along the way either. You know, like, I think it's so important to obviously like not be selfish. Like it's, there's a fine line between like being true to you and being selfish. And I really want to get to the point where it's like being true and not hurting anyone along the way. Or like, I think that that's living your best life. I think that yeah, essentially just being true to yourself is living your best life because then ultimately like you're working in something that you love. You are doing everything that you love because you love it, not because of anything anyone else is telling you. Yeah. I yeah. love it. I love it. That line of it being for you and not being selfish. That's such a, that's such a, um, oh, words, Victoria, at this time of night. <laughs> Selfish is a word that packs a punch, but weighty word. There it does. Go. It does pack a punch yeah. and it's hard. It's hard to navigate. And I think as you're growing a lot of the time when people aren't growing in the same direction, it's hard because they think you're being selfish when ultimately you are a little bit, but it's also like, it's so important in some areas yeah. to be selfish and caring for yourself, right? Like that. Yes. Moms, caring for yourself. And that's women and moms, like we can ve- very much feel guilty for stuff that is completely okay to take the time. Yes, exactly. Like eating. Like I literally will feel bad if I'm like making myself a meal and she has a question for me and I'm like, just a second, Jax. Like sometimes I'll feel guilty about that. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm worthy of like making this sandwich (laughs) and then asking or answering the question. A hundred percent. Our time is super valuable. So thank you for spending some of it with us. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was great. It's kind of nice. It's nice to be on this side and I've learned a lot. Like I really love, I love the way you, um, you conduct your interviews and your questions and it's been awesome. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. 